You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. GM Zingers, welcome back to Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. My name is Logan Ross, and we've got a banger of a show prepared for you today. So let's just get right into it. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing good. How are you? Happy Mutant Monday, as always. Yeah, happy Mutant Monday. I'm doing great. I am uh, down here in the crypto capital of the world, Miami, Florida, and I'm on some shitty hotel Wi-Fi. So uh, bear with me if something goes wrong or, or happens, Ryan. I'll just I'll need you to take over real quick. Uh, we got uh, Bulldog Trading first in the chat. He's number one. Very number very cool. one right there. Number one deck. Number one dex trader. No, that's me. He can be the number two uh, dex trader. I thought that was me. He could be number three, Dex Trader. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you well, excited well, we for the show, Logan? The we got uh, we got CryptoPunk five two seven three coming on the show today to tell us about his NFT journey. I'm really excited for that. He's actually a member of Wolverine Blockchain here at the University of Michigan, and we'll also be talking about the Avalanche versus Ethereum debate. We got some big people moving over to the Avalanche ecosystem instead of building on Ethereum. So we'll be talking about that soon. Logan, what else you got for us? You know, you summed it up pretty well. We got a, a crypto punk himself coming on, a good friend of ours. Uh, and we'll be talking about the Wolf game as well. This has been trending a lot lately. Uh, you know, I slept on it personally. Some friends told me to check it out a couple of days ago. The floors were... were very very low compared to where they are now uh and i heard staking nfts i was like yeah yeah i've heard that story a million times uh but it turns out this is a new story this is a new meme from what i'm seeing so if you guys uh, are into this wolf game project drop a comment in the chat below uh right below that like button make sure to smash it while you're down there uh and also let us know what projects you guys are looking at this week whether they're cryptocurrencies or nfts we want to know we want to take a look at them uh, and since you're here for crypto content, I want to point out the Benzinga crypto top link in the YouTube description below. Okay, so right below that like button, just like I mentioned before, uh, make sure you subscribe to that channel. We have some really sweet educational content coming up on that. It's not going to be live stream content, right? It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's going to be shorter videos, more digestible stuff you can send to your friends. Uh, and hopefully it will be a lot more fun. Uh, but I mean, it's going to be hard to, to top how fun Moon or Bust is. Totally. Ryu just put out a video today, actually, on Benzinga Crypto. It's a two-minute video on Crypto.com's new coin, CRO, uh, and it's been ripping lately. So go check that out if you're interested in CRO. It's gone from like $0.30 cents up to $0.75. Cents. You did a quick price analysis on that. It's just two minutes, so you don't have to spend an hour listening to our podcast to get some new trade ideas. And it looks like we can call exactly. Bulldog Trader the number one Dogecoin miner. He doesn't need to be a Dex trader. He's the number one Dogecoin miner. 20 no, million dude is Dogecoin clearly retired at this point. Did you Hopefully sell for a Honda Civic, though? 
Sorry, That's Logan. I think you're. That's what we all need I think to know. you're lagging behind just a little bit here. Um, so just try and keep that no, in mind. We'll but make I think it we, work. Totally. Yeah, I think we should get right into the news. Let's talk about Three Arrows Capital CEO Zusu abandoning Ethereum for AVAX. So, so this company, Three Arrows Capital, was an investor in Axie Infinity, Aave, BlockFi, Avalanche, ETH, Bitcoin, and a ton of other different decentralized protocols and cryptocurrencies. Um, so basically what he said here is everyone on Ethereum is far too rich to remember what they set out to do. And what did they set, set out to do? You know, bank the unbanked, get people in third world countries using financial instruments they otherwise didn't have access to. And this was the narrative on Ethereum for so long. You know, when we didn't really have these decentralized finance applications, we said we can bank the unbanked with Ethereum. And back then, you know, transaction fees were maybe two to five dollars, depending on what you're doing. And now it's 50 to 100 dollars, you know, sometimes even more. I did a transaction on Uniswap maybe a week ago that cost me $200 and my transaction failed and I had to do it again, right? So it really isn't helping third world countries too much. I don't think that many people there can afford to use Ethereum's network. I mean, most retail investors in the U.S. at this point can't really afford to use Ethereum's network. So he does have a point here. Uh, Logan, what do you think about this? Do you think AVAX is the right move going forward? Or do you think that we should work on, you know, building layer two protocols on Ethereum and help crypto scale that way? Yeah, so this is actually a really interesting question. It's been the hottest topic on crypto Twitter over the past couple of days. Uh, and I just saw a bunch of new people jump into the live stream. So if you're just tuning in uh, right now, we're talking about ETH scalability issues. We are obviously big fans of Ethereum. Um, but but what we're talking about is they don't have, you know, the, the same goals in mind that they set out with. They can no longer bank the unbanked uh, because the gas fees are too damn high. Right. So a lot of people are turning to AVAX, including Three Arrows Capital. Uh, and we're also seeing people um, come in, come up with other ideas. Right. So, you know, uh, Shuzu, the, the CEO of Three Arrows Capital. He said that he still likes Ethereum, uh, and a lot of people have been pointing out that Layer 2s uh, are what are scaling Ethereum and, and that people will be crawling back to Ethereum after making these arguments when Layer 2s like Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, uh, they become more scalable, more secure, and more widely used. So, you know, personally, I like to use these Layer 2s uh, that are directly on Ethereum, especially the, the true Layer 2s, right? So I think there's an, a, there's an important breakdown we can give here is there are side chains. So Polygon, for example, is a side chain. It has its own consensus mechanism and therefore its own security. On the other hand, we have true layer twos, which inherit the security from the Ethereum mainnet. These are Optimism and Arbitrum. You know, we see a lot going on on Arbitrum right now. We got SushiSwap. We have Uniswap coming very soon. Uh, personally, the DAO that Ryan and I started for, for our university, that exists on Polygon um, just because we want to make it easy for people to use. We don't want to make people pay multiple hundred dollar transaction fees just to make things happen, right? It, it kind of prices out a lot of use cases. So people are turning to these cheaper blockchains, these cheaper scaling solutions, uh, you know, for these lower value applications, right? Now, if you're, if you're making multiple million dollar trades, you're going to want that security of the Ethereum mainnet. And so that's kind of what you're paying for at this point, right? Uh, but you know, some applications like gaming, for example, you know, these might be better suited on Solana or on um, AVAX, like we were talking about. And, and by the way, this is a great time to mention it. Last Friday, we talked to the president of Ava Labs. This is the team behind the Avalanche blockchain. So if you're hearing stuff about Avalanche lately, you don't really know a whole lot about it. That is a great place to start. 
Um, I could try to drop the, a link to that interview in a few seconds once I'm done rambling here. Uh, but, you know, AVAX, other layer ones, these are kind of the trend right now. And a lot of people are turning to them, one, for their use cases and two, for their gains, right? Because Ethereum, you know, it, it's had its time in the light. It's a couple market cycles or at least one market cycle ahead of these other layer one ecosystems. Uh, so, you know, people are looking to them for, for multiple, multiple reasons. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Will people be flocking back to Ethereum layer twos? Uh, or, or will they be moving over to these other layer one ecosystems that are more scalable? I want to hear what you guys think about this question. Uh, drop a comment in the chat below, right below that like button. Make sure to smash it while you're down there. Um, but Ryan, what do you think on this? Well, where would you go you know, to, to make these low value you know, applications? You know, Logan, if I was a beginner in cryptocurrency, I would say that it's a lot easier to get onboarded on Avalanche or on Solana because with a layer two on Ethereum, you're still going to have to use Ethereum's network and bridge your funds, which could cost over $100. And it's more technical to do something like that than just to buy Avalanche or Solana on Coinbase and then send it to the network. I never used Avalanche before last Friday, but after that interview, I started to use Avalanche. It was an extremely easy process since it is compatible with the Ethereum virtual machine. You can add it to your MetaMask wallet within a matter of seconds, and then you can get going with some Avalanche. You just send Avalanche into your MetaMask wallet, and you can start using the applications on there. And it's a lot cheaper. You know, I paid like five or ten cents to make transactions, to buy NFTs. So I think that might be where we're seeing more adoption in the coming months unless Ethereum can find an easier way to scale layer twos. You know, maybe if Coinbase or Binance can support Arbitrum or Optimism mm -hmm. directly from the exchange, then we'll see more adoption there. But until they do that, I don't think users are going to want to use Ethereum's network because first, you know, they're going to buy Ethereum or Polygon. They're going to have to spend 15 to $20 to transfer it into a MetaMask wallet or some other type of smart Ethereum wallet. And then from there, they're going to have mm -hmm. to spend 100 to $150 to transfer it onto that layer two. And then once they're on that layer two, they're going to have to transfer it back onto Ethereum's mainnet do all of those things in reverse and then transfer it back to Coinbase. It's just not an easy process to do at the moment. So I think that, you know, Avalanche and Solana, they're much easier to get onboarded than something like a layer two on Ethereum. Yeah, right. And we did see Binance add, uh, you know, deposits directly to Arbitrum just last week. So I think that's okay. super bullish for the layer two ecosystem. And I think that Coinbase, all these other big exchanges repping Coinbase today, they're going to have to keep up at some point, right? So I, I think once the first domino falls, um, you know, this is a big thing in crypto. Once first domino falls, everybody has to keep up, right? Uh, so we, ha we have a lot of great interactions in the chat. A lot of guys talking uh, about this debate so let's just take a couple of questions ryan i'll pull them up and if you could answer them that would be awesome this makes me sad as an eth maxi you know brian blockchain i am an eth maxi too and i'd say you know all developments in the blockchain space are good and i think this is just going to drive competition you know avalanche is great they're very scalable but ethereum has its own unique purposes as well will eth become the nokia of blockchains i don't think so logan what do you think you know, I personally don't think so. You know, that their level of decentralization is highly, highly valuable. And, and these other ecosystems, they're, they're, they're going to fall into one of two categories, right? Either number one, they're going to run into the same scalability issues that Ethereum has. And just because they don't have so like all this on-chain activity, they have yet to run into these problems. So, you know, we could see a lot of other blockchains fall into the same problem that ETH is facing right now. Uh, and 
Or number two, the other category that they could fall into is that they're sacrificing decentralization and therefore security, right? So, um, you know, at the end of the day, Ethereum's decentralization is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And this is what drew the ETH maxis to it in, in the first place. And I think this is what will keep the high value transactions and the high value applications on the Ethereum mainnet. So will ETH become the Nokia of blockchains? I truly don't think so, especially with Ethereum 2.0 coming out. And so Martin made a good comment about that. Ryan, you want to talk about ETH2 real quick? Yeah, when Ethereum 2.0 comes out, there'll definitely be a lot more competitive. There'll be better competitors to Avalanche and Solana and these proof of work block. I'm sorry, proof of stake blockchains, because ETH will be transitioning Mm -hmm. to proof of stake as well as implementing sharding and some other scaling solutions. So hopefully gas fees will go down, but we really won't know what it's going to look like until it launches. There's also no launch date for it. And Ethereum's wanted to be proof of stake basically since inception. So we've been waiting for Ethereum 2.0 now for years and it hasn't came. Uh, A lot of people think it's coming in 2022. I really hope it does. Uh, I think it will come in maybe spring of 2022, but there's yet to be a set date for the transition to Ethereum 2.0. Yeah, and I'll kick off this this answer from Jonathan, or the answer to to Jonathan's question. Uh, Would there be an advantage to those second movers that learn from Ethereum's mistakes? And so I think in the short term, 100%. There's so much room to capitalize on a scalable blockchain right now, especially at, uh, when you look at gaming, right? Uh, if you see the NFL just dropped the NFTs, they actually stealth launched them. Uh, I don't know if anyone really saw that. It's still pretty under the radar as far as I can tell. Only 125 NFTs per team. Uh, and resale is very, very quiet. Um, but the Thanksgiving Day game tickets come with nfts so i think it's gonna you know slowly build up more hype over time um and and so definitely there is some advantage to to you know capitalize on in in the short term but long term i think that there will be enough demand for blockchain applications that the space in in every one of these ecosystems the block space and every one of these blockchains will be full right uh so you know i i don't think that it's really like a winner take all situation here there's going to be a couple really, really big ones. Um, and then we're going to see a lot of application-specific blockchains popping up. You know, if we if we take a look um, at the Cosmos ecosystem, right? The Cosmos SDK makes it super easy to launch your own blockchain and, and design it specifically for your application and, you know, make it much more efficient, lower gas fees because of that. So, Jonathan, great question. I think that 100% in, in the short term, I'll just reiterate that one more time. So if you guys and are just Logan, tuning in, we're add- talking ETH. Yeah, no, hit, hit me, Ryan. Okay, yeah, I just want to add one thing to Jonathan's comment here. I wouldn't even consider what Ethereum's doing to be making a mistake. I think it's just a difference in what they're prioritizing. They're prioritizing building a robust network, a robust ecosystem of applications. And we can see that they've really succeeded in that. They have the most decentralized applications out of any blockchain by far. And they have the most liquidity locked on their blockchain by any network by far too. So to put this in context, Avalanche has total value locked of $12.5 billion on their network. Solana is a little bit ahead of them with $15 billion, but Ethereum blows both of these out of the water with a total value locked of $175 billion on their blockchain. So in terms of liquidity and applications, Ethereum is really still the winner, and that's very clear. As far as layer two solutions go on Ethereum, there's $5.6 billion locked in those. So that's kind of lagging behind, and I think that's because it's a lot harder to get onboarded with layer two than it is just to use Ethereum's network or to use a proof-of-stake blockchain like Solana or Avalanche. 
Yeah, at least for the time being, right? So we'll see Layer 2s become more and more accessible uh, with, you know, instant deposits from Coinbase and other exchanges, hopefully coming really soon. Uh, shout out to my little brother in the chat talking about Solar Polygon is what he's working on right now. You know, he's just getting started in crypto. And, and this is a great example for your point, Ryan, like getting onboarded into crypto. It's a lot easier to start on these scalable blockchains. Um, so Brian makes a couple of good points here. So he says he used to be a beast BTC maxi fees got too high. Then he turned to ETH maxi fees got too high. The say the next popular blockchain will have the same problems. And I a hundred percent agree. Uh, they'll either have the same problems or they will be centralized. And that's Brian's next comment is that Solana is not decentralized enough yet, uh, at least for him to, you know, want to be a, a big or at least, you know, stake a lot of value in this ecosystem. Right. Um, and so that's why we see 10x the value locked on Ethereum and these other chains. I mean, we saw Solana crash, go offline for multiple hours. Ethereum has never gone offline since it was first launched. Knock on wood here. Let's hope that doesn't ever happen. Um, but yeah, we're really happy to, to answer any questions or comments you guys have. Uh, this, is a, this is a great debate. Uh, really, really interesting chat. So, so drop some comments below if you want to keep it rolling. And Solana looks decentralized on paper, right? They have over a thousand nodes running on their blockchain. I think the gripe that people have with it is that early investors are running really big nodes and those are the ones that really control the network most of the time, right? Exactly. And so that's why people are turning to, to Avalanche and these other blockchains. If you guys aren't familiar with Avalanche, we talked to the president of Ava Labs, the team behind it last week, as I mentioned, and there's the link. Uh, I dropped it in the chat a couple of minutes ago. Make sure you guys go check out that video. It's really, really good. One of my favorite conversations we've had on this show by far. So, so go check it out. We did, we did talk about Ethereum uh, versus Avalanche. So if that is what you're wondering, that's a great place to start. All right. I think that's enough of that. We've been talking about it for like 20 minutes now. Should we move on to some NFTs? Yeah, Logan. Wolf Game has been taking off lately over the past few days. Huge returns for early investors. Can you tell us about that while I share my screen? Yes, I can. So, you know, a couple of my buddies told me about Wolf Game the other day. Uh, you know, they said FaZe Banks is, is, is tweeting all about it. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, it's FaZe Banks. You're taking your investment advice from, from a, a streamer, YouTuber. Um, uh, but I was very wrong because FaZe Banks made a great call here. Okay, the floor has gone like 8 to 10x since I, I heard about it just two days ago, right? Let me stop uh, sharing. Let so, me pull up oh, OpenSea while you talk about this, Logan, because I have an OpenSea okay. tab pulled okay, up with that good. too. All right. Um, so, so what I was saying is that, you know, these coins have been, uh, this game has really been popping off. The floor has basically 10 x uh, in, in the past two days. And, and everyone from Beanie Maxi uh, to, to uh, our own, uh, uh, NFT Discord that our guys at Benzinga started, Alphamit. Uh, go check that out if you're not in it yet. Um, but yeah, so so what this is, it's, it's an on-chain game. And, and everything in this game is stored on-chain, including the images, uh, like even in the NFTs, right? So most projects don't do this. Um, but this team has taken a kind of different approach to, to the way they do everything. They have no roadmap. They have, you know, no, I don't even know if they have like a, a you know, a, white paper or anything like that you can go onto their their website you can go to play their game uh it's like um let me see it's i think it's wolf.game slash 
game is the way to go. Yeah, wolf.game slash game, okay? Uh, oh, I, I was lying. They do have up. a white paper, um, but they do not have a roadmap. Right now, minting is paused, okay? So I'm not exactly sure why this has happened. Oh, it says unstaking and claiming paused for safety and security. So basically, this game was popping off too quickly. Uh, and people were going too crazy over it. I, I don't know if it was causing the, the gas fees to rise. I mean, I'm sure it was to some extent. I don't know if that's why they shut it down. Uh, but, you know, this was all people were talking about besides that that ETH avalanche debate that we just covered. Um, but this is actually a really cool game. I, I dove into it this morning after being kind of a naysayer and, and missing out on these gains. Uh, I actually took a look, deep dive into it this morning. And so here we have Ryan. He's going to share the screen with us and walk us through the game a little bit. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do on this game. Uh, and it's kind of fun. There's some gambling aspect to it. Uh, and, and there's also a crypto token. There's two types of NFTs. You got sheep and you got wolves, okay? And, and then also you can stake your sheep. Uh, they'll grow their wool and you can shear it. And this will give you an ERC20 token called wool. And Jonathan in the chat, he's familiar with this game. He says the value of wool is supposed to be insane at the moment. Um, it's not on coin market cap, so I, I haven't been able to find a good place to go check the price. But I'm going to go look on the Uniswap pools and see if I can find the current price of it. But Ryan, you want to walk us through the platform? Yeah, I actually wanted to mention the dynamics of these NFTs because they're very different than most NFTs that are just collectibles. And that's because you have to stake your NFTs, whether it's a wolf or a sheep, to play the game. So when you go to OpenSea, it says there's only like 240 available. So the supply is very limited because most people are staking to play this game. So you can stake your sheep, like Logan said, and earn wool. You get 10,000 wool tokens every day that you have one of your sheep staked. Holy crap. Uh, and then you can also stake your wolves and when you stake your wolves they get a tax from the sheep of 20 percent of the wool all the sheeps create and since there's about one wolf for every 10 sheeps they get about double the amount of wool that a sheep would but not only that the wolves can actually steal the sheep NFTs when they're bred. So you can use wool tokens with your yeah. sheep to breed new sheep NFTs. I think there's a 10% chance that a wolf can find it, kidnap the sheep, and then that NFT is yours. So if that happens, you know, you basically get a free for Ethereum because that's how much these sheep are selling for right now. Uh, there's mm -hmm. also different traits. There's different alpha that the wolves can have. And depending on that alpha, uh, you can get more staked rewards. There's a lot of different things that go into this game. Um, but I would be watching this down here. So the amount of sheep minted right now are 12,000. The amount of sheep staked is 11,750. So that only leaves about 250 sheep on the market. And then the same goes with wolves. There's 1,740 wolves minted. And the amount of wolves staked is 1,660. So there's less than 100 wolves on the market. I think this is why we're seeing the price go up so much. There's just so few on the market mm -hmm. that we've seen like mm -hmm. over 1,000% gains in the past few days. Um, but there will be more minted. So the minting's paused right now. Mm -hmm. Then 13,800 of these NFTs minted with a total of 50,000 by the time that they're all minted. So there's definitely going to be more supply on the market. And with the prices going up so much, I wouldn't be surprised if more people are just going to buy them and not even play the game and just speculate on the price. Uh, Logan, what do you think? Do you think when, once all 50,000 are minted, there will be more on OpenSea? Or do you think that people will want to play this game and try and earn this wool token? Okay, so how many wool token do you get per sheep per day when you're staking them? It's 10,000 wool token a day per sheep. 10,000 wool token a day. And I just checked on Uniswap. 
each wool token is trading at 13 cents right now okay so every every day that you're staking a sheep you're getting a thirteen hundred dollars that is insane. There's, there's no wonder why so many people are, are staking these and there's no liquidity on the market. Like you, you, you have the ability to make so much money uh, from staking these. And so that's a really, really cool incentive system that they've built into the game. Um, and we have a couple more questions. Uh, Wilson wants to know, how do you get to this website again? You could check it out, uh, wolf.game. Uh, slash white paper is a good place to start to learn about it all. Uh, but wolf.game is like the main site. Okay. Uh, so second question, tiny pie media wants to know if you die in the game, do you die in real life? Uh, personally, I haven't played the game, so I can't say for sure. Ryan, do you have any insights onto this? Yeah. Tiny pie actually had the exact same question. And that's why I haven't played the game because I really don't want to die in real life just in case. So I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to stay away from it. If I get one of these, it's going to be to speculate. I don't want to die. (laughs) Yeah. I certainly don't want to die either. I want to play the wolf game, not the squid game. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but, but actually mint. So, so Pax wants to know what is mint cost. I think the original mint cost was 0.069420. Okay. Uh, nice dot nice in the chat. Uh, and if you want to buy this wool token, you can get it on Uniswap right now. Um, if you go over to their white paper, you can find the contract address of the wool token. I'll drop it in. Ah, oh, shoot. I didn't, I meant to copy the, uh, the token address. Hold on one second. Let me retry that. Boom right here. Okay. So this is the token address according to their white paper. Uh, if you put this into Uniswap, you should be able to see it pop up. And you should be able to purchase some yourself. You know, uh, this could be a good investment without having to spend that four ETH floor for a sheep. Um, you know, maybe you could just buy some some wool tokens and hope that they go up. But the, the, the rate that they're issuing them at for staking right now, I feel like it might be a little bit more lucrative if you have the funds to just purchase a, a, a sheep. Or alternatively, Ryan, what's the pitch to spending eight ETH for a wolf? Yeah, so I briefly brought that up earlier, but if you have a wolf, you'll essentially be earning about double the rewards in Wolf Token, or I'm sorry, Wolf Token, um, but you'll also be able to have the chance to kidnap sheep from the game. So the Gen mm-hmm. Zero sheep that have been minted, you cannot kidnap. So you're not going to lose the initial sheep you buy unless it's a Gen 1 or later on. But these other sheep can be kidnapped once they are bred. So if you have sheep, you can breed them with wool token and then these wolves can steal them. So very interesting. One thing I have to say about this wolf token, though, will it have value once all these NFTs are minted? I haven't done too much research on the token, Logan, so maybe you can answer that. But right now, what I'm seeing is the only real utility for this wolf token is to spend them to breed more sheep. So once all these sheep are minted, no one will be spending them to breed sheep. What's the value in the wolf token after that? You know, you, you make a great point there. Uh, and I do not have like a, a legitimate answer to it. So I'm going to speculate a little bit here. Fair warning. Um, but you do get 20% of all of the wool, right? As a wolf holder. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so that revenue will, will be consistent, right? So if it, all the other people that are staking their sheep, you know, you could stake both wolves and sheep. Uh, and, and even if you don't have that additional chance, you know, being early, you get the chance to steal some sheep that are just being bred. Uh, you, you can still get that 20%. So I think that is, is, is the incentive there. Um, but it does kind of break one of the core game mechanics at that point, right? Um, so maybe they'll have to add some, some new aspects to the game. 
Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, speaking of NFTs, we have a good friend of ours that, that is backstage right now, just jumped in, uh, and we're going to bring Max Norris on right now. So, so get hype in the chat uh, and smash that like button if you haven't. Max, what's good, man? How are you? What's good, guys? How are you? Logan, good to see you. Ryan, good to see you. Uh, I'm well. On. No, this is uh, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So this is the start of one of our new series that's going to be live on the Benzinga Crypto YouTube channel. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to that top link in the description right below that like button. Um, but Max, you are owner of a crypto punk. Uh, and I, could you remind me, it's 5273, yeah? Yeah, correct. 5273. Okay, Max. So why don't you walk us through your NFT journey, how you ended up getting a CryptoPunk uh, and why you're still holding it? Yeah. Um, so I, I think the first time I really heard the term NFT probably was Top Shot, like most people. And I got an account in January, never bought anything because I just never, it didn't click with me. Um, and I thought it would because I'm a sports car collector. So I thought... Uh, I thought I'd be kind of a the target audience for Top Shot or the target customer, but it didn't work out. Um, so I never bought anything Top Shot. Then I heard of Beeple because who didn't hear of Beeple with the the seventy million dollar sale? And then there was another six yep. million dollar sale uh, right after that, or right before it. I can't remember, but after that Beeple sale, I was like, okay, that that's serious money. I got to do a deep dive into this stuff. Um, obviously, CryptoPunks mm -hmm. was one of the first. NFTs that I discovered in my research. Um, I saw a lot of DFS uh, uh, players start changing their file pictures on Twitter to CryptoPunks. And so I was like, okay, I got to do a deep dive into these. <laughs> um, and then a person who I really admire in the space um, and just life in general, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he started talking about CryptoPunks. And I think in an interview, he said, uh, he said something very close to crypto punks have like uh, extraordinary potential to be like, one of the best modern alternative investments that you, you can make over the next couple of years. So honestly, right after he said that, I was like, okay, I, I have to get one. Um, and using some sports cards funds that I've built up over the last couple of years, I found a punk, which turned out to be number five, two, seven, three, that I, uh, resembled me in some way, personality wise and looks wise, and I made the purchase. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the quick story of how I, how I uh, got the punk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's really cool. Yeah, Did, you really know cool you... Did you know about Bored Apes? Did you know about Bored Apes when you got your CryptoPunk yet? Or uh, was that even part of the decision? Or did you just go straight for the CryptoPunk? Yeah, so I think I got my punk right before Bored Apes launched. Or it was, it was like either at the same time or right before. And, uh, you know, when Bored Apes were first launched, right, they, the mint price was 0.08 ETH. And uh, that was the same time 
when MeBits came out, um, basically right back to back. And the, the argument was what, what was going to be bigger, MeBits or Bored Apes? Right. And there was like a Twitter war <laughs> about which one was going to uh, be the big winner. But I passed that Bored Apes at 0.4 ETH and 0.5 ETH. And I mean, it could be one of the biggest regrets I have, but it is what it is. And uh, at least I have my punk, you know? Totally. Most definitely. So, Max, it's really interesting to me that you came from a background of trading collectibles. So you kind of were familiar with how the market worked. Uh, was that your first time purchasing ETH for the punk? No, I had a, <laughs> I had bought $10 worth of Bitcoin in 2018. Uh, and then <laughs> right as the crypto market started to kind of turn up uh, late 2020, early 2021, I <laughs> went back in my Coinbase account to look at how much my $10 of the Bitcoin was. And uh, I just bought like a little bit more Bitcoin and I bought some some ETH because just the whole concept of ETH kind of clicked with me a little bit more than the concept of Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. And so I bought a little bit of ETH then. But yeah, I had to buy a lot of ETH. Uh, <laughs> using sports cards uh to make that that punk purchase the punk was i mean that was the first nft i bought so so you were kind of brought into the eth ecosystem because of nfts do you see this as being one of the the big attractors to ethereum and crypto in general yes no doubt um you know pe people i mean you guys were having the the avax eth discussion right before this and i saw this on twitter a little while ago but someone compared uh, ethereum to like rodeo drive like the rodeo drive of blockchains because it's very likely that all of the uh, or many of the the top-notch blue chip nfts are going to be on the eth chain for maybe forever so um yeah it's it, it's definitely i mean i'm at least extremely attracted to ethereum because if anyone wants to buy nfts right now or at least quality nfts they have to buy eth uh, in order to make that happen. So yeah, definitely is a, a big part of the reason why, why I like Ethereum. So Max, have you considered buying any NFTs on Solana or Avalanche, or do you just strictly stay with Ethereum NFTs? I know almost all the high value NFTs are still on Ethereum, but there may be some potential in Avalanche. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, I, so I personally haven't done a deep dive in, into Solana or Avalanche yet. I mean, I know some of the nft projects that are on both of those those chains but for me right now it's uh, i i still i still need to focus on acquiring all the the nfts that i really want to get um on ethereum before i i look at other chains at least i i know the, there's incredible opportunity to get in early on the other chains right now but like some of some of the projects are just copy pasta from from ethereum so it's kind totally. of tough to yeah. It's tough to determine which, what early NFT projects on these other chains are going to be significant. So that's definitely, there's definitely greater risk involved. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, there's Max, so much us. going on on Ethereum right now. Uh, Logan, I'll let you go ahead and ask your next question. I think you're lagging behind just a little bit. So sorry about that. Yeah. No, it's all good. Um, so Max, I'm curious to hear what else is in your collection? Uh, and you mentioned that you want to fill out the rest of your Ethereum NFT uh, you know, uh, like bucket list before you move on to the other chain. So could you walk us through that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, we're still very early and it sounds crazy because prices don't seem that way, <laughs> but 
in terms of the people involved in the market right now, we're still very early. Um, so I think the market will get to a point where you're, you're not going to be able to just go out and, and buy some of the blue chip NFTs because the supply is just going to dry up. At least that's how I think. So, I mean, lately I just acquired a second Chromie Squiggle from Artblocks. That's Project Zero on Artblocks by Snowfro. And uh, I'm a big, big Squiggle guy. Uh, it, they're a meme and it's an art meme. I think it, I don't know. I just love squiggles. Um, so I have a couple of squiggles recently acquired a V friend. Um, I have an X copy edition and like, I have some creatures and a couple other things. And I'm looking the coming, the coming months. I want to somehow get a ferocious piece, maybe a, a Beeple piece. Just for me, it's easier to determine what artists and art collections are going to be very significant in five years from now than it is for me to determine what, profile picture collections are going to be significant five years from now. So I'm very kind of art focused at the moment, but uh, yeah, those are some of the things that I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Logan so actually had to... a, <laughs> every, every time, time I wait and then you don't ask a question right away, I'm just going to go for it. So if you got, okay. uh, if you got another question, totally. I just jump no, in right I was... away. Okay. Okay, yeah, for sure. Uh, I was actually going to bring up the point you brought up to me, Logan, like last week, that you think that profile picture NFTs are actually going to be, you know, the most bullish over this bull run. And then maybe the next market cycle is when our NFTs will really take off, because that's when the metaverse will really be more developed. You can show off your art pieces, you know, in your home, your virtual home office. Whereas right now, you know, you can flex on Twitter with a profile picture NFT. It's a lot easier to show them off as a collectible. So it's interesting to think about both sides of that. And Max, I think you have a great point too. It's a lot easier to value some of these art NFTs than it is to value the profile picture NFTs because most of these PFP NFTs, you know, they don't have big artists behind them. It's really community driven and the value is driven by the community. So as more people get into it, the values go up. So yeah, I think it's an interesting point on both sides. I think that our NFTs, especially through art blocks like Squiggles and Fidenzas, those will be doing really well, especially come 10 years from now when they're just so rare, you know, so few of them on the market. Yeah, I mean, there was a point a couple months ago where, you know, there's 10,000 squiggles, or right, I mean, right now there's only 9,200 around that number minted, but we were at a point where there was only like 200 to 300 squiggles for sale. And that was just a couple of months ago. So mm. I don't know. I, I, this is my thesis that the market will dry up at some point. And those kind of early, especially on our plot, some of those early projects um, are just going to be very valuable. And a lot of those holders are really convicted too. So I completely agree. Yep. Yeah. And this is something Ryan and I have been talking about a lot. We've never seen an NFT bear market before, um, but conviction and attachment to these, to these images uh, are a lot higher um, than maybe just any regular fungible asset. So do you have any big predictions for the NFT bear market? Will we see them, uh, you know, take a huge nosedive? Um, you know, I think probably most of the PFP, collections probably won't survive a bear market. Uh, the, but the art pieces, on the other hand, that you're collecting with a long-term thesis, what do you think those will do in a bear market? I mean, obviously, they'll, in a bear market, most things will go down by a significant percentage, right? Um, but like you said, most of those profile picture collections are just going to absolutely collapse and fold versus these higher-end, more blue chip like our projects are gonna hold up and they'll still be 
OG collectors happily buying them back at cheaper prices. Um, let's say squiggles are at what a like a eight nine ETH floor right now, and let's say they they went back down to a two ETH floor or a one ETH floor. And I mean, people would just be gobbling them up. I feel like at that price, mm -hmm. um, who who have the funds to do so. So there's definitely a support levels for some of the the higher end uh, projects uh, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that NFTs will outperform uh, regular fungible tokens in a bear market? Because that's something I've brought up a few times and I'm really not sure. You know, some people will probably want to be in more productive assets in a bear market, but other people might want to be holding on to these NFTs that have sentimental value. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, for, for all we know, the NFT bear market could be when ETH goes just skyrockets to 10K or whatever and all the NFT prices in ETH, they just collapse because people prefer to have the ETH. Um, that's totally plausible scenario. Um, I, I think there will be very few NFTs that in the long run, I think outperform the fungible token itself, whatever chain you're talking about, but um, there'll definitely be kind of a convergence towards quality projects um, like punks or Fidenza or squiggles or X copy, you know, maybe apes. I'm not sure, but um, I think long, long-term people the, the the community will determine what projects are the projects to have and those projects i think have a uh, more likely chance of outperforming ETH itself yeah max let's talk about that community for a second so uh you know punks are huge on twitter um, and you've taken advantage of that trend. You know, you've made some huge friends in the NFT space, uh, DeFi, to, to name one of them. Could you talk about how you've built these relationships, how your punk has allowed you to network on a different level? I mean, it's just social capital. Someone sees social currency. If someone mm -hmm. sees you have a crypto punk, it's automatically, a, a, oh, this person's either an OG or they know what they're talking about or they may think that they know what they're talking about, but, but either way, it's kind of a shortcut to information. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if you have an ape or a punk right now, there, there's already that cultural significance and that social currency that comes along with owning that NFT. So um, I just think people, whether it's right or not, they take you a little bit more seriously if you have one of those top tier uh, profile picture uh, NFTs as your as your digital avatar. Hmm. And I mean, if we're talking about, uh, oh, sorry, I just want to, I, I forgot to answer no, no, one no. of your early questions, but we're, you know, let's, let's say in a hypothetical scenario that my crypto punk, uh, decreased by 80% in, in its value. Like some people got in early to a point where 80% decrease in value, they'd still be in the green. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it also depends for, for this uh, likely bear market, whenever it comes, it also depends when you got in. The people getting in right now uh, probably aren't going to do too hot. Max, is there a price you would sell your CryptoPunk at? Or would you consider fractionalizing it even? I don't think I'd ever fractionalize it. Um, for me, it's I'm either going to own the thing or I'm not. <laughs> sure. um, I'm just like that, whether that's smart or not. But um, yeah, it kind of depends where I'm at, um, and what my portfolio and just what circumstances, financial circumstances are looking like. Um, 
like right now, if, if my punk, if I could sell my punk for a million dollars, would I do it? Probably right now, but I, I don't know if I'd say the same thing in two years or three years from now. I mean, I'm, I'm planning on holding it for at least five years. Um, that's kind of my uh, time. And what's your thesis on that? Do you think within five years, we'll see a completely another market cycle with Ethereum and NFTs, you know, over the long run where maybe Ethereum hits $20,000 by then, and then everybody knows what NFTs are. And then, you know, punks might be at a seven figure floor by then. Is that what you're thinking? Or is that just kind of like a, a arbitrary five year timeline? Well, let's just say if I didn't think that that was likely to happen, I probably would sell everything that I have. Okay. I, yeah, I think that's uh, a very likely outcome in five yes. years or 10 years or whatever timeline you want to put on it. But yeah, ETH at 20K and punks at a million, I think, is inevitable. I just don't know how long it's going to take to get there. Agreed. Definitely. So zooming in a little bit, uh, we have a comment in the chat, uh, or a, it's actually a question. So would you just give up on to getting into NFTs right now? Um, if we could do like a, maybe a six month thesis, I know you usually think longer term, uh, but, but would you be acquiring right now or are you acquiring right now? It depends. Like it, it, it I mean, I, I personally am, I, I, I'm kind of at a spot where I have most of what I want to get. Um, and there's again, like maybe a couple of things, a couple more things that I'd like to add in my portfolio. But, um, for the most part, I'm not really planning on buying anything huge. I think if you're just looking to get into it. I mean, a lot of people say this, um, but you know, like, and I, I actually don't believe in this, but some people say only spend what you're willing to lose. And I think we're at the point in the cycle where maybe that's more true than it was a couple of months ago. Um, so yeah, if you're just getting in, I, I would be very cautious. And I definitely do more, more learning than spending at the moment. Wise words. <laughs> All right. Well, if the chat yeah, has any more question. questions for Max, I do not. Do you have any more questions for Max? Uh, if not, let's try and turn it to the chat, see if the chat I, has any questions for him. Yeah, drop them in the chat. I do have one question for Max. Have you been keeping up on this Wolf Game uh, you know, project that's been taking over the hype right now? Uh, you, you, okay, so I see you shaking your head. You haven't, haven't been keeping up on it. Um, but like, as far as play to earn as a class of NFTs, do you have any thoughts on it? Well, let me say something about the Wolf game real quick. Um, first of all, your line earlier that I'm trying to play the Wolf game, not the Squid game. Phenomenal line. I mean, I, I, that was <laughs> just incredible. But uh, yeah, I mean, when I see something like the Wolf game, come, I think you said you earn you're like a thousand hours a day by staking it or, or staking a wolf. Or something. Like to me, I just look at that and I'm like, there's no chance that this wolf game is going to be around in five years from now. Like I'd be shocked. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm not like, I'm, I've got to a place where I'm, I'm not trying to date like, you know, day trade or flip stuff in a couple of weeks from now, because who knows what the market will do. And I don't want to be stuck with something that I don't actually enjoy. So it, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on the wolf game, but as far as play to earn goes, I think uh, Alex Dohanian said this uh, a little while ago. He said, like our kids one day will, will ask us and be, and be like very confused as to why we played video games for free. Um, <laughs> play to earn is just going to absolutely just dominate uh, gaming going forward uh, as more and more traditional gaming companies enter uh, 
the NFT space. So that's kind of my take on play to earn. Yeah. I mean, we saw um, that, that like, even Reddit, Alexis Ohanian's company you just mentioned is trying to tokenize um, their karma. Hold on, Brian. Can you do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, no, I wasn't sure where you're going, but I can answer <laughs> this chat question while you mute that phone. Uh, Wilson's asking, should I try to buy a cheaper NFT in a collection, or should I try and buy a more valuable one? So I would recommend if you can't afford to buy a very valuable NFT to just get a fractionalized NFT of a big collection, because like Max said, they have a lot more staying power and you can be a lot more sure that they'll be around, you know, in five years from now or 10 years from now. Max, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Instead of taking a risk and just buying, you know, insert PFP project that dropped two weeks ago and is promising a game in three weeks from now. Um, it's definitely a better decision to just buy fractional, like buy an X copy one one fractionalized or buy a fraction of a of a nice squiggle or a punk or something. Like that's definitely the the safer way to uh, play it. And and any one of those moves still has considerable. Well said. We have another question from Roger. Logan, you are getting blown up, Mr. Popular. But how do you buy a fractionalized NFT as a part of a popular NFT collection? Is this the future, Logan? Uh, there's fractionalized.art, I think, is a program. Uh, Max, are you familiar with any fractionalized NFT programs? Yeah, I mean, I think the one that most people know of is fractional.art. And I know Dee's Fi on Twitter is uh, or just commonly referred to as Dee's. He's, he's a big... Uh, or I think he actually is on the team there. Um, mm -hmm. But if there, if there was any one fractional platform that I was going to bet on, it's probably that one, just because they, they already have a lot of recognition. Yep. And make sure to do your own research too when you're looking at buying a fractionalized NFT because they're not always at market price. Sometimes you'll be paying a premium. So definitely look and see what other 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 pieces in that collection are selling for and see if it's a fair price before you just go ahead and buy a piece of one of those NFTs. Yeah, and I want to jump in here with a, a little side note on, on fractionalized art. Um, it, it is usually typically like uh, considered a security, right? So, you know, if you're if you're a U.S. based investor, you should approach this with caution. And, and like we've been saying all along, you know, do more research than you do spending. Max, that was a great line, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to lose access to to your investment, right? Say it goes up, say it goes down. No matter what happens, you you don't want to be able to not cash it out. Um, and so, you know, always make sure you're looking into that. Um, but now that I'm off of my 1995 phone, I want to loop back to, to my Reddit karma point. Um, so we see Alexis Ohanian is building on ETH. He's, he's integrating Reddit with Ethereum. He wants to turn Reddit karma into some sort of like ERC 20 token and add value to it. Um, and this is like one of the core ideas of the internet since it's founding. Uh, was that this was to give power back to the people uh, and to kind of reward people for their attention span. Now we've seen, uh, you know, Facebook uh, and Zuck or Meta, I should say, um, you know, kind of take this, uh, take everyone's attention and sell it to advertisers for his own profit. Um, but now we're seeing things like like basic attention token from Brave Browser and, and these Reddit karma points could be another way to do this. And play to earn is like, Kind of, I think, an early thing that, that will pick up on this trend and it will eventually end up in, in us being, you know, paid to watch these advertisements or at least getting a fraction of the value from our attention as it should be. Right. So, so Max, do you see any, any long-term trends here? Any ways to, to play this?
I mean, if I'm being honest, I have not bought any anything fractional. Um, I've just been buying entire entire pieces. <laughs> yeah, they're just being a hog. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely not an expert on this topic. If I'm being completely honest. No, no worries at all. We can uh, we can move on. So we have a question here in the chat. Uh, Max, have you looked at some of the NFTs in Avalanche? Um, I, I don't know if you have Max, but I know Ryan has. So maybe you guys can chat about this a little bit. Yeah, I, I honestly just know of one uh, project on on Avalanche, and it's like it's called like Avax Apes or something like that. Um, it's kind of a copy pasta project, but I know it was one of the one of the early projects. But that's the only one that I know of. Yeah, I actually haven't heard of that, and I haven't really explored Avalanche's ecosystem too much. But after the Avalanche interview we had with John Wu on Friday, I got into the Avalanche ecosystem, and I did buy one NFT on it, uh, Avalanche Party Animals, and he actually recommended that uh, on the stream. So I thought I would get one. They really weren't too expensive at all. Uh, I got one for like six and a half AVAX, which at the time AVAX was trading for about $100. It's up, I think, like 30% by now. Um, and I mean, it's done well over the past few days, but Max, like you said, it's very uncertain stuff right now. I'm searching for uh, what could be a blue chip in the Avalanche ecosystem because I really don't think that, you know, crypto punks or board will be going across chain anytime soon. So there could be a lot of up upside with them, but you're certainly taking on more risk than getting uh, a blue chip NFT, uh, a blue chip NFT on Ethereum. Yeah, I also the the whole uh, notion of a blue chip um i feel like we throw around that word very loosely but i i feel like some people are like oh, yeah sup ducks are a blue chip I'm like get out of here what are you what are you saying um <laughs> there are definitely some projects i feel like on ethereum that you can already kind of look at and be like okay this has been around for a year two years maybe even a, you know six months plus and they then they have had some staying power and they're already quite valuable. So maybe you can look at some of those that are some NFTs that fall into kind of that, those filters and, and say, well, maybe those, maybe those do kind of fall in line with what you're kind of looking for in a blue chip. And Roger asks, you know, how does an NFT become a blue chip? I think we kind of went over this. It's super arbitrary. In my opinion, I would say Bored Apes, CryptoPunks, and then a few high-value art blocks collections would be blue chips. I really can't think of anything else that would be considered a blue chip at the moment. I think you could argue Cool Cats, but I think people just say that because it hit like a 10 ETH floor. They got pretty expensive, but um, I, I wouldn't personally consider Cool Cats to be a blue chip NFT. But like I said, it's very arbitrary. How about the doodles? Are there, are there doodles? I wouldn't consider them blue chips. Are there any other NFT projects you guys would consider blue chips at this point? Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's a bunch of artists that I would consider to be blue chip okay. artists. But yeah, like if Beeple, we're talking about, I mean, yeah, Beeple, X Copy, Ferocious, uh, Coldy, even. And as far as projects go, though, I mean, CryptoPunks, Chromie Squiggles, Fidenza, Ringers, um, you know, I think you can throw in board apes in there at this point. Uh, you have, um, what's it called? Wow. Why am I, what, it's like the, the, uh, glyphs, um, with, with that, with larva labs. Um, there, there's, there's probably a couple other ones that I'm missing out, but those are, those are the big ones that, that come to mind. 
Max, you make some great picks here. Uh, and I love your, your take on, on the blue chip scenario and NFTs. I definitely think it's used way too loosely. Uh, and I think it's cool that you look at the artist first. I think that that's uh, an, an important aspect that a lot of people aren't doing these days. They're just trying to get rich quickly, right? Um, so we, we are running a little bit short on time. So Max, I want to give you a chance to, to let the people know where to connect with you. Um, if you have any other you know, things you want to talk about, general advice, shout outs. Now's the time. The floor is yours. Oh, I, okay. I just want to add a couple, couple more uh, artists for photography, at least. You have Justin Aversano with Twin Flames and then Drifter Shoots with uh, Where My Vans Go. Mm -hmm. Those are probably, I think, two of the biggest photography collections. Definitely blue chips in my mm -hmm. mind. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Max Norris with two underscores. I'm on Instagram with the same I'm also on YouTube, Max Norris. Um, so yeah, that's where you can connect with me. Uh, happy to chat anytime. If you have questions or you just want to strike with a conversation about whatever topic, I'm always open, uh, willing to, willing to chat. So, yeah. Thank you. Awesome, Max. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Uh, I think this was an awesome conversation. It seems like the chat really, really liked it. Uh, so we'll try to do more conversations with CryptoPunks. Max, do you have any advice on who we should turn to next? Anyone you can maybe hook us up with? Uh, we, we'd love to, to get this show on the road, you know? I mean, I would say, I would say Jay-Z, but I don't know if that's feasible. <laughs> um, so... I don't know if you can get D's on the show. That'd be, I mean, he, he's definitely one of the big ones that comes to mind. G money. Mm -hmm. He might've already been mm -hmm. on a Benzinga show before. Um, I mean, just some of the, some of those big influencers are just full of knowledge. So definitely there, there's a lot of good options. Awesome. Yeah. We did have G money on the show. Uh, like back in May, actually, you know, it was, wow. it was a long, a long time ago. He was, he was telling us uh, about his investment thesis and we saw the price of punks just go nuts since then. Right. Uh, so, so he turned out to be making uh, you know, straight fire when it comes to his calls uh, <laughs> on that episode. Uh, so make sure you guys go check out that episode. I'll, I'll drop a link to it in a second. Um, but, but Max, uh, thank you so much for, for stopping by today. Really appreciate your time. Um, Ryan, do you have any other uh, closing thoughts for us? No, man, I think we covered it. Thank you so much for coming on, Max. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. This was, uh, this was awesome. Hope to, to do it again at some point in the future. Yeah, for we'd sure. love to. All right, All right, have a good one, man. Take care. All right, Ryan, that was our interview for today. Uh, we have about 60 seconds left. I think I'm just going to wrap it up a little bit early because my internet connection uh, and, you know, everything going on around me is just really annoying. Um, so I'll, I'll toss it over to you. If you want to give those those closing call outs, that'd be awesome. Yeah, check us out on Twitter, uh, especially Logan today. You know, Logan and Ross, make sure to follow him. I know everyone always loves to follow me on Twitter, but show Logan some love too. I mean, he, he really hosts this show, carries sometimes. So check him out, but check me out too, okay? Show us both some love. Yeah, and also I want to add a couple things. Uh, we have a ton of, of crazy shows and crazy interviews that we've done here on Benzinga. Uh, so like I mentioned, here's the one with, with G-Money. I just dropped the link to it. Uh, and then we also have the one with the Avalanche team. Um, so make sure you guys go check that one out as well. 
there, there's a playlist on the Benzinga channel. If you're not subscribed, make sure you get subscribed as soon as possible. Uh, and smash a like if you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to see more of it, let us know in the comments down below. Uh, but that is the show for today, Ryan. I love this one. Thank you, as always. Uh, and I'll let you say some closing remarks, and then I'll run the outro. Peace out, guys. I said everything I wanted to say. Just follow me on Twitter. Peace out. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.